Welcome back to the Mike and Andrew Show. I'm Andrew Surik here tonight with Mike Meredith and Ian High is with us. Guys, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing good, man. Another good episode. Glad to have Ian back on here. Yeah, I'm doing great. You know, it's like Mike said, it's good to be back. So, uh, ready to get this rolling. Yeah, we, we got a lot to discuss tonight. Uh, Thursday Night Football about to kick off here in a few minutes. So, we're going to kind of keep our eye on that. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, so this is going to be a pretty long one. But uh, let's get right into it, previewing uh, this the rest of this weekend's games. Um, first thing starting off, uh, the Falcons and the Jaguars are playing each other. Uh, Falcons going on the road to Jacksonville. Jacksonville's a uh, three-point favorite. And actually, no, this is the London game. So so both teams traveling out uh, to London for this Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna take Atlanta in this one actually. Um, Jacksonville's been struggling a lot as of late. The offense hasn't been going, um, and that said, the it's like the complete opposite for Atlanta because they have just been rolling on offense except for last week against the Lions. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm taking Atlanta in this one. Yeah. So for me, man. Uh... This is so tough because the Jaguars should be better than they've been doing, but they just haven't been that great. I think Atlanta is going to bounce back to this week. Uh, you know, Jacksonville, I'm pretty sure, always plays the London games. They like they are like one of the teams that's always involved in the the London games. So, you know, definitely some advantage there. But I think the Falcons are going to just win this game as well. Come out uh, and try and lock up the. Uh, NFC South. Yeah, uh, as, as much as I'd like to think the Falcons might come out and win this one, Desmond Ritter didn't look all too good against the Lions. <laughs> and and that's saying something. We all know the Lions' defense. They're marginally improved, but they're still not the greatest. And the fact that they held them to, you know, no touchdowns, you know, across the board, you know, rushing and passing, I don't know. I, I kind of like the Jags on this one, but I can see it going either way. But I think I'll take Jacksonville on this one. And, Mike, back to your point real quick. Yeah, Jacksonville has played in almost every single game in London. It's basically a, a second home field for them uh, at yeah. this point. Um, yeah, and they are hosting, so, you know. Right, shocker. yeah. Uh, shocker. And, and they have a, a game there next week, too. So, um, oh, do they? Yeah, they, they play two games <laughs> in a row in London. So, Jacksonville might have a big advantage considering jet lag next week. But... That's next week. Yeah. We'll we'll get into yeah, that yeah. next week. Uh, anyways, anyways, uh, Miami on the road in Buffalo. Buffalo, a two and a half uh, point favorite in this one. Um, it's a divisional game. This is going to be a very, very, very good game. I think. I think both offenses. Obviously, Miami has just been rolling after steamrolling over Denver and then shitting on them uh, as well. I mean. That was embarrassing. What uh what happened to uh, Denver last week? But this is gonna be a tough game. Uh, Buffalo being a two and a half point favorite at home is interesting to say the least. Um, Miami, it, I mean, like I said, that offense is rolling. Uh, this is gonna be a very very high scoring game. I think. I mean, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Miami in this one though. I think I think just if Tua keeps playing the way he's been playing. Man, there's just there's just no way anyone's stopping this team right now. Yeah, I uh, 
I'm going to refer back to last week's episode where I talked about uh, my bets and I had the Miami money line in this game. I think Miami comes out and wins this game. I think it's going to be very close, though. I think it could be, you know, one or maybe even two point, uh, you know, game at the end here. I think that both offenses are going to go crazy. I could see each of them putting up over 30 points for sure. Um, but, man, I just think Miami's just rolling, man. They look like the second-best team in football right now, maybe behind San Francisco. And I have them taking this uh, divisional game. Yeah, I also am rolling with the Dolphins on this one. The Bills are good and all, but that offense is ridiculous. And like I said, you know, when it was first on, two is not in put of concussion protocol yet they're gonna keep winning games and you know he, he showed out with you know 70 points so yeah i'm taking the dolphins on this one and in a close one yeah it's, it's definitely gonna be close i think uh you know obviously both these offenses are really really good their their defenses are also fairly good but i mean yeah this this is gonna be a really really high scoring game uh First toilet bowl of the uh, of the weekend, Denver on the road in Chicago, oh. th- and three and a half point favorites on the road. Um, I'm I'm taking Denver in this one. I mean, look, I I trust broke ass Russell Wilson and, and Super Bowl winning coach Sean Payton way more than I will ever trust you know blind as a bat Justin Fields. I mean, the, Chicago's defense is horrible, but that offense, especially being led. By Justin Fields, there's just no way that I mean, this is gonna be a very bad game, but I, I think Denver easily wins this one. Yeah, man. So you have special teams and then you have special teams like these two. <laughs> um, yeah, so um this is just gonna yeah, like you said, the toilet bowl man. Uh I think Denver though takes this. I like you said, trust Russ a lot more than I will Justin Fields. The Bears stink. I mean, the Broncos stink too, but at least the Broncos, I think, can put up some points. Their defense isn't shit. You know, they gave up 70 points last game, but, um, <laughs> you know, the Bears, I, I don't even know how they're going to score a touchdown, man, with Justin Fields. So uh, I'm taking the Broncos. Yeah, uh, you put it really well, Mike. <laughs> the, the, you know, it's a, it's a great point. You know, the special teams, but, uh, yeah, Bustin Fields, he's not it, man. Just continuing the curse of OSU quarterbacks not succeeding in the league. Yeah. Yeah, Broncos on this one. I'll, I'll take the money and run with the Broncos. Yeah, I think, yeah, you, you said it perfectly. Just take the money and run with them. Uh, Ravens on the road at the Browns. Cleveland, a three-point favorite here. Um, look, the Browns are a lot better than I think really anyone expected. Uh, they would be uh, this year, um, and and the Ravens coming off a really tough loss against Indianapolis, which shouldn't have even happened. Yes, I know they had a ton of injuries on both sides of the ball, but that's a game you have to still win no matter what. Indianapolis is so ass. How did we allow Indianapolis to be two and one this year already? Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Browns in this one. I mean. The, the Ravens are struggling, and oh yeah, Lamar Jackson's still garbage. Yeah, man. I think this is going to be a really close one. I could see the Ravens taking this just because you know, I feel like they're a team that always, you know, is doing well, and you know, I feel like they've had the Browns number in the divisional games, or 
past few years, but I'm going with the Browns here as well. They just have surprised me. They've been one of the most surprising teams this year. I thought they'd be middle of the road, you know, mid. Um, but they've actually been pretty solid, man. I would I would say they've been a borderline top 10 team this year. So I'm going to roll with the Browns, especially because they're at home too. Yeah, I I don't know. I was kind of shocked to see that the Browns were favorited in this one. But, yeah, it was like looking into it. Apparently they should got the number one defense in the league right now. We'll, we'll see how that holds up, you know, against LeBron Jackson and the Ravens. I, I do think I take the Browns. I don't know if they cover by three, though. I think it's tight. Yeah, you know, if if uh, if Deshaun Watson can just be, you know, he doesn't even have to be good. If he can just be decent enough, I think the Browns can win this one very easily. Um, we'll obviously have to wait and see. But I, I think, honestly, if, if Deshaun Watson can can be at least decent and put up some points and the Browns defense has been cooking so far this year, I think, yeah, we could very much see uh, the Browns win this one. Uh, Pittsburgh on the road in Houston, favored by three on this one. Um, I'm going to take the Texans, though. Uh, they've, they've been, Their offense has been rolling a little bit as of lately. They got a big win last week over, over uh, Jacksonville. Uh, and C.J. Stroud might be that OSU quarterback that finally ends that streak of, you know, OSU quarterbacks just being garbage in the NFL. Um, they uh, their, their offense has been pretty productive as of, as of late. So I'm going to roll here with the Texans. I don't believe in Kenny Pickett either, so there you have it. Yeah, I'm also going to take Houston here, and that's crazy because, you know, Houston, I think, is still one of the bottom teams in the league. But, man, viewers, I just do not have faith in them in this game. Uh, Kenny Pickett, like you mentioned, man, I just don't trust him. I take C.J. Stroud over him. I think that he has another big game, throws for over 300 yards. And, yeah, I think I think it will be close, though. I could see this game uh, being, you know, one to two-point game or even going to OT it. Uh, at some point. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go Houston. I, I I like Houston, but I think I'm going to go with Pittsburgh on this one just because who they have beaten. I mean, sure, you know, they beat the Raiders. That's not really much. But they did beat the Browns, and they put almost 30 up on the Browns. The Texans are not the Browns defensively. Offensively, Yes. They're better than the Browns, or close, I would say. C.J. Stroud, I believe, can break that curse. Not right now. I'm going to take Pittsburgh on this one, and a close one. I mean, that's understandable. I mean, there's a lot to, you know, think about on this one, but I just think, you know, C.J. Stroud right now is a much better quarterback than than uh, Kenny Pickett. If um, So... The other toilet bowl for the week, uh, Minnesota on the road in Carolina. Uh, Carolina without uh, Bryce Young again. So I, I think this is the week where Minnesota finally gets it done. They're four-point favorites as well. Um, but I, I think this is going to be a pretty close game. Uh, Kirk Cousins hasn't been playing very well. Um, you know, they're, they're 0-3 already uh, in one-score games. 
and and they lost to the Chargers. So I mean, <laughs> you, you lose to the Chargers, I think I think you're you're pretty bad. But I do think they'll actually win this one. Uh, Carolina's got nothing on either side of the ball, so it's going to be a very very close game either way. But I'm taking Minnesota. Yeah, I got Minnesota as well, man. I actually don't think it's going to be close. I think Minnesota runs away with this game. They are definitely by far the best 0-3 team. And it was crazy how this week both the 0-3 teams matched up against each other like this. Uh, Minnesota, though, I think handles this no problem. Oh, my God. Jared Goff just threw an interception. Uh, gotta love it. But, yeah, I... Have, First fucking play, man. Because, yeah, no Bryce Young. Panthers are kind of mid to begin with. Yeah, um... Rams and the Colts, uh, L.A. coming to Indianapolis. Uh, this is an even game. Uh, no, there is no favorite. Um, that said, I don't believe in the Colts at all. Uh, I think Gardner, Gardner Minshew is also starting, so that ain't good. Um, and, and the Rams just, you know, as much as they also suck, this, this is, too, you know, the Colts should not be two and one. I think both teams should be about one and two. But man, uh, yeah, th- this is gonna be a very, very close game. I think, but I think the Rams just barely pull it out. Yeah, I think so too. I think the Rams um, take this one over the Colts again. I think it's gonna be close. You know, Stafford looked horrible last week, but um, I definitely trust them a little bit more over the over the Colts right now. Even though the Colts have pulled out some, you know, some wins here, I'm going to go with the Rams. Uh, I don't know. I I, I think I'm taking L.A. But it, it is Gardner Minshew. That's the reason why, I guess. If it's Anthony Richardson, I might take the Colts. Yeah, that's that's uh, it, fair. Uh, so two teams that, are both fraudulently uh, two and one. Uh, the Bucks and the Saints a divisional game here. Saints favored by three. It's a home game for them. Um, I'm also I'm gonna stick with the Saints in this one. I think they're a lot better of a team than uh, than the Bucks are. Uh, and that's not saying much because both these teams are pretty bad. So um, it, it's gonna be a a close game again. Uh, but I'm taking the Saints in this one. Uh, their offense is, I think, a little bit better, and I also just don't trust Baker Mayfield still. Yeah, so I'm actually going to go with the Bucks on this one, just because, man, the Saints, 17 nothing. they lose 18-17 last week. That was just awful, man. They don't deserve to fucking win shit, man, after that. Um, I think, though, you know, it's close. They're both not that great of teams, but... I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Tampa Bay here. I think they they take the uh, the upset on the road here. Yeah, I, I think I'm also gonna go with Tampa Bay, just because I don't know. You got Jameis Winston in there right now for the Saints. <laughs> I, I don't know. He's back. I, I don't think he's gonna be able to do it. He's gonna be feasting on more L's than Dubs this year. Fair. I it, look. It, it's gonna be a close game. But dude, I just don't trust Baker Mayfield, and you know both these teams fraudulently have two wins, so uh, you know, yeah. Uh, Eagles and Washington are playing. Uh, Philly at home is a nine-point favorite. I think everyone here kind of just agrees Philly's winning this one. That that defensive uh, yeah. front 
on Philly is incredible, with especially with Jalen Carter. Uh, he he keeps getting better every single game, um, and and obviously on their their offense is really good too. So, I mean, yeah, uh, Washington not really doing anything on either side of the ball. They have two wins this year somehow, but yeah, dude, I, I'm taking Philly in this one, and they cover by a lot. Yeah, man, Philly's for sure winning this game. I mean, no explanation really needed. Yeah, I'm I'm going with Philly, and I think it's a repeat of last week for Washington. It's not going to be good. They're going to be lucky to score that last-second field goal or whatever it was. Get embarrassed. Yeah, by a mile. <laughs> so here's, a, here's another toilet bowl, really. Uh, the Bengals on the road in... Tennessee, they're two and a half point favorite. I'm gonna take Tennessee though in this one. I think this is a trap. I think this is a trap game. Uh, this this is kind of this is the kind of game that that this team likes. It's gritty. Both teams aren't that good, and I think t- uh, Tennessee ends up uh, taking this one. Uh, and you know Joe Burrow still not a hundred percent either. So there, there's a lot of question marks uh, there with what he can do man uh i gotta disagree with you on this one man uh i gotta go with the Bengals, man i just i can't trust tennessee on anything man i can't trust them to win man against cincinnati with the talent they have yeah ryan Tannehill or joe burrow i'm I'm gonna take joe burrow on this one he hasn't been really playing that great as of late I, i still think it's time for him to have a good bounce back game and this is it yeah, it's um, look. I I can easily see Cincinnati winning this, but I I just I think this is a trap game for Cincinnati, and they fall the one and three here. Um, Raiders and the Chargers. Chargers at home, laying five points to to the Raiders. Um, I'm I am gonna take LA in this one because I mean, uh, it's a it's a home game. The Raiders are awful right now, and and you know. They, uh, they they beat Minnesota, so I mean, look, they they got a little bit of momentum going for them, um, and not to mention, um, you know, their their defense, you know, in in Vegas is just horrible. I don't I don't even know where to begin with on that one, and just I think Justin Herbert is just gonna you know pick them apart. Yeah, man. <laughs> You know me with the Chargers, man. I don't know, man, if I can trust him, man, in this game. Um, honestly, man, I don't know. Because I did take the Raiders for sure um, with the points. I think that the Raiders will cover this game. Um, but uh, I will go with the Chargers. But, you know, take that with a grain of salt, man. Yeah, see, that, the points was another issue for me for this one because like I could see the Chargers winning but I could also see the Raiders covering at the same time because five for the Chargers that's pretty big no offense to the Chargers but uh yeah it's a home game Justin Herbert he's pretty damn good and I still think five points is too much for the Chargers <laughs> no, I, I, I think Vegas does cover in this one but I do think the Chargers end up squeaking it out like they did last week uh Dallas hosting the uh the Patriots Dallas a six and a half point favorite obviously coming off a pretty embarrassing 
loss to the Cardinals of all teams. I mean, not, how do you do that when they're when that's the team that's like purposely out here trying to tank? Um, I, I I am gonna take Dallas though. I mean, as as much as you know that loss sucked, I still think they are one of the top teams in the uh, in the NFC. So yeah, I'm I'm taking the Cowboys all the way in this one. Yeah, I think so too, man. I mean, they gotta bounce back after that embarrassment loss, man. They gotta come out and uh, play well. So uh, I'm definitely gonna go with Dallas here. Yeah, I like Dallas on this one. Patriots aren't the uh, the Patriots of old. So yeah, I'm taking Dallas on this one. They got to come back from that tough loss. Look, and, and Bill Belichick, just send him to the moon, man. He, he's he's put him, in, put him in the home. It's yeah, bad. yeah. Put put him in the home. It is time, man. Uh, Niners hosting the Cardinals divisional game, favored by fourteen points Sunday afternoon. Uh, yeah, I think we all agree. Just the Niners in this one. I I think we could just skip over yeah. everything on that. The Niners are just so good. I mean, yeah. and, and and like you said on Tuesday's episode, Mike, keep them at number one of these power rankings until someone beats them. I don't think that's going to happen this week, though. Yeah, good on yeah. the Cardinals for getting easy the win, win last week. But, uh, yeah, no, this is an easy win for the Niners, 100%. Uh, Chiefs on the road. In New York against the Jets, eight and a half point favorites in this one. Um, look, the, the Chiefs' offense hasn't been rolling a lot, and the Jets' defense might be the best in the NFL right now. Um, that said, I'm still going to take Kansas City in this one, but I think the Jets cover. Um, and, and and reason being is, like I just mentioned, the the Chiefs offense hasn't really been able to get rolling anywhere. Um, and then, you know, the Jets defense is, again, super, super good. I think, you know, the, the Jets will keep this kind of close. Um, but, yeah, I'm taking Kansas City in this one. Yeah, I think Kansas City, too, is going to uh, handle this one. I'm not sure if the Jets are going to start Trevor Simeon or Zach Wilson. You know, Zach Wilson has been awful. Um, let's go Lions touchdown. Um, but yeah, um, Casey in this one. Yeah, I don't, I get, I gotta, every time I talk about the Jets, you know, my mind always, first thing goes to number one, Sauce Gardner. Cause you know, the Detroit product, it's just him and that defense, they're going to keep them. They're going to keep this team in it. Regardless of who's that quarterback, whether, you know, it's the bum Zach Wilson himself or, you know, it is Trevor Simeon, you know, I, I, I don't see their offense being able to keep up with Patrick Mahomes. If it was Aaron Rodgers, I still think Kansas City takes this one, but it would be closer. I think Kansas City will probably win this one by 10. Uh, look, I, I just, like I said, their offense hasn't been able to roll at all, and, you know, they uh uh and and they're facing you know one of the best defenses in the entire league right now in the Jets, uh so I think it'll be a little bit closer, but I I think they I think the Jets will cover on this one. I think I think you know we'll see Chiefs by a touchdown. Um and then lastly Monday night football uh 
Seattle on the road against the Giants, a one-point favorite uh, is, is Seattle. Um, I am going to take this. I am going to take Seattle in this one. I think the Jets are just horrible, and the Seahawks are obviously a favorite to win their division. Um, so yeah, I think easily the the Seahawks win this one, and I don't think it's going to be anywhere close either. Yeah, I think so too, man. I um, I was reading earlier in the week the Giants were favored, but I guess now the lines shifted to Seattle favored, which they should be. Um, I got Seattle in this one. Yeah, Giants, what the fuck are y'all been doing, you know? I thought they would be halfway decent considering the performance they did last year, but uh, yeah, I got to take Seattle on this one. They're coming up. Geno Smith, let them cook. Nah, I, look, last year the Giants were frauds. Um, let, let's let's be honest here. They won a lot of games that they probably shouldn't have last year, um, and they're showing it this year that they, they are really, really bad. Um, so that kind of covers the NFL previews. We're going to do a little bit of a blitz here. Um, I'm going to I'm going to discuss some teams or I'm going to call up some teams and you guys are going to tell me if these guys are going to be buyers or sellers by the trade deadline and kind of just defend your point if you of what you think. Um so so first team coming off a bad win uh, uh, a bad loss against uh, Indianapolis is Baltimore. Um so we're saying buyers or sellers um for Baltimore here. Um I will I will buy Baltimore here. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm thinking, you know, they have a chance to win this division. You know, every other team outside of the Browns is looking, you know, pretty meh. But you know, Ravens aren't doing too bad. Obviously, you know, they have Lamar Jackson at quarterback. They don't, as of right now, they don't need an upgrade because they won't find one. OBJ. You know, Zay Flowers, a wide receiver. I like that if they're still in. You know, Mark Andrews, a tight end, obviously. Uh, Maybe, I mean, Justin Tucker had a miss. He's You don't need to replace him, obviously. One of the best kickers in the league right now and in the history of this league. But uh, I don't know. If, if anything, I think their defense might need a little tightening up. Other than that, they they, they might be sellers, depending on where they're at. Who, if since he comes back, I I think I think Baltimore are sellers here. I mean, if if they lose the next two, maybe three games, you you have to sell. I mean, Lamar is not the answer uh, for Baltimore. They they need a quarterback that can actually throw the ball, and Lamar is not that guy. Um, but I I think I think Baltimore should be sellers here, especially if they lose the next few games. Um, the uh, Buffalo Bills, buyers or sellers? Um, man, this is tough because you know after the first week I was said sellers, you know, because their window was closing. But now they kind of look like they're, you know, they still got a chance for that Super Bowl. I'm gonna say buyers, man. I think that they, you know, try and you know work out some some um some things here. Um, we'll see though. Um. I could see though them going on a cold stretch and then becoming sellers. You know their window is definitely closing. Uh, you know you only get unless you're the Patriots, you only get maybe four or five years to be in that Super Bowl contention window, man. So we'll see. 
Yeah, I I, kind of, I was kind of in the same boat of, you know, maybe being sellers earlier in the season or, like, hell, even in the preseason because, obviously, you have the revamped Dolphins. Aaron Rodgers was on the Jets and predicted to start, so, obviously, you know, that division is very tough. So I could have seen them losing, you know, two or three divisional games just right there. But now that Aaron Rodgers is out of New York for the season – I think they're going to end up being buyers, particularly on the defensive end. But, yeah, I think they will end up being buyers to end up maybe even competing to steal this division from Miami. But other than that, they're going to be a buyer. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be a buyer as well. I mean, their, their, their quarterback is still in their prime. Josh Allen's still in his prime. They need a little bit of help on offense, I think, uh, more than they do defense. Um, but, you know... That said, uh, I, th- I think even if they lose the division to Miami, they're still a playoff team. Um, you know, it'll, it'll be unfortunately you know a wild card t- uh, you know team for them. But I think they, you know, I think there will be buyers at the deadline. I, I, there's just no way un- unless they suddenly start to shit the bed. There's there's just no way. Um, Cleveland is next on this list. Uh, I think personally they're going to be buyers as well because they've been really surprising so far this season and pretty damn good. Yeah. So kind of crazy how uh, so far I've, I've said all three teams are going to be buyers here because I think Cleveland's going to be a buyer as well. Similar to Baltimore, man, they're kind of in that position where they're, they're good enough to be a playoff team. And if maybe they get a couple more uh, solid pieces, they can, um, push into um, underdog uh, Super Bowl contenders here, so we'll see what they can do. You know, um, Cleveland's looks uh, very solid so far uh, in this season. Yeah, I. If you would have asked me at the beginning of the season, I would have said the same thing. They're sellers because it's the Browns. You know. I'm a Lions fan. I've grown up a Lions fan my whole life. I've, I know the deal. Oh, you know, it's kind of like the Cowboys fan. This is our year. This is our year. We're going to be better. We're going to be better. No, you're the Browns. But no, they're not the Browns anymore. So, yeah, they're going to be buying. They're going to be looking. They might. Hell, honestly, I would not be shocked to see Baltimore and Cleveland do a deal to get Deshaun Watson into Baltimore and Lamar Jackson out of Baltimore. That could be interesting to see. Obviously, is Cleveland going to pick up that contract? Probably not. But obviously, if it depends on how Deshaun Watson's playing as well. Breaking news, a penalty was called because Hutchinson actually got held. They actually called a penalty for it. Uh, That's the first (laughs) time this has ever happened in the league. Um, I I, I am shocked. Uh, <laughs> look. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely breaking news on that one. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's the first of the season, um, out of like sixty. All right, so so the next team I got here is Dallas. Um, what do you guys think? Are they buyers or sellers here? I mean, they got to be buyers, right? They got to go all in. I mean, um, Dallas, you know, is always expected to win, so they they can't be sellers, man. Especially with the players they have and losing Trayvon Diggs. The injury, they, they gotta be buyers. Yeah, losing Trayvon Diggs pretty much solidified them as buyers. I mean, they they went out and they did, pre, I would say, a, a significant chunk of their shopping earlier in the season, getting Trey Lance. 
So, you know, you don't have to look up for a backup for Dak, you know, because obviously <laughs> what he was doing at the end of the Cardinals game, his his mind wasn't <laughs> there. I mean, obviously they had Cooper Rush still, but having, you know, Trey Lance there. They had the defensive, you know, still there even without Trayvon Diggs, but I still think they're going to buy for defense. Look, if 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 I'm being honest, man, I I think Dallas should be sellers because there's no way this roster's winning a a Super Bowl or you know e- even making it out of the first round. I don't think. Um, honestly, Dallas should try and just tear it down. I don't think Dak is gonna get you anywhere because he keeps making stupid mistakes, especially in the playoffs. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna bundle these two teams here because they're actually playing right now. You got Detroit and Green Bay. Are they buyers or sellers here? Um, I'm going to go Detroit Byers, and this is, again, they're building a great team. I'm not sure, though, if they're going to be. I feel like they're trying to build a lot through the draft, and they've done so well doing that so far. Um, we'll see, though. Uh, I definitely feel they should be buyers. Green Bay, I'm going to go sellers. I know, like I mentioned with Dallas, how, you know, they're always expected to win. You know, Green Bay is the same way, but, you know, um, if Green Bay starts struggling again this year and, you know, Jordan Love looked really good the first game, but that was against Chicago. Now that he's played a couple more games, he's starting to come back down to earth a little bit. And if he's not the answer, man, I mean, you got to blow it up. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i going to go with for this one. I'm, I think I agree with Mike. I am neutral on the Lions, and they're the one team that I can 100% for a fact say that they will not be buyers or sellers at the deadline. Because they want to see what they have, and they want to grow their talent. You know, granted, sure, Dan Campbell's, you know, head coaching, you know, decisions are kind of iffy at times. But Brad Holmes, man, that's a hell of a GM up there. (laughs) Whatever he's doing for drafting and everything like that, it's phenomenal. So I I think I'm going to trust him on that one. I think the Packers do end up selling because right now I'm looking at this uh, this game right now, and yeah, they don't look too great. Jordan Love's been sacked like twice, three times. He's not looking great at all. He's not moving the ball. The only reason they got the three points is because Jared Goff threw a pick. Yeah, I, I, I think I think both these teams are actually going to be buyers at the deadline. Um, I, I think I think Green Bay will be a sneaky wild card team in the NFC because let, let's face it, uh, no one from the NFC South is going to be you know making it in. So we can rule that out, and and no, or, or for, as a wild card, I should say. And same with the NFC West. So I think, realistically, uh, in the NFC East, you'll have you'll have obviously Philly winning the division, and and Dallas will make the playoffs as a wild card. Atlanta is, I I think will will win their division, and then Seattle winning theirs. So you'll have Detroit, who's obviously winning their division. Wait, 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 you have Seattle. Oh no! 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 I. Oh yeah. I. I am not thinking right now. No, uh. Yeah. No. The, the Niners. Yeah. No, the Niners are winning the West. Yeah. Yeah. Brainy no worky. Brainy no worky right now. Uh. I. I got. I got distracted with football on my screen. Uh. No. Uh. Yeah. So the Niners win the win the West. Detroit wins the North. Atlanta wins the South. And and Philly wins the East, right? So you still got three wild card teams here. Dallas obviously is gonna make it. I think Green Bay could sneak in as that third wild card team. Um, they're not a, a horrible team. Obviously, they're getting their asses handed to them right now by Detroit. Um, 
but I still think they could sneak in easily as, as that third wild card team. Um, and then Detroit, look, I, I think what Detroit needs is a, is a piece opposite of Hutchinson on the pass rush. And then maybe another deep threat because I don't know if Jamo's going to actually be able to, you know, do anything, especially after having such an abysmal camp and preseason and getting injured and now out on ice for six weeks because of a suspension. But I, I think I think Detroit team I think Detroit obviously will need to find a deep threat receiver because uh, St. Brown can't do it all. Yeah, I was going to say, I saw something. I don't remember where it was, but it was, I was scrolling some social media, and they were talking about how the trade deadline is around the Las Vegas game. And they were like, so what if we make a move to get the swap J-Mo and a pick for Devontae Adams from the Raiders? That would be crazy. <laughs> and I was like, as much as I would hate to see J-Mo go, I would take Devontae Adams in a heartbeat. No, no, no. He- I keep J-Mo, but just get another deep threat to pair with him is is kind of what the Lions need to do because J-Mo will open up the deep threat ball game for us. I just think you know get get another piece. So now you have two guys that are deep ball threats that a defense is going to have to cover, and that's going to be lethal uh, to try or for any defense. Yeah, I, that's that's understandable. Like that's why I was a. Uh passionate about keeping DJ Chark this for this season because like we saw what he did last year for the deep ball and De- Jared Goff so having him next to J-Mo that leaves you know Amon Ross St. Brown in the slot just free <laughs> right and, and again then you also have Sam Laporta too so I mean the Lions God, if, if what a stud he's turned into yeah right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so that that does it with that blitz um so we're going to get into the the uh, top 25 matchups uh, this week. Uh, Friday, or yeah, tomorrow night, uh, Utah on the road in Oregon State. Oregon State is actually favored in this one by four and a half. Um, I'm just calling it right now. This is going to be a rematch uh, later this year. I think both these teams are going to make that Pac-12 title game. Um, I don't think Cam Rising's playing this week, so... We'll have to wait and see on that. Um, but that said, I think the Beavers actually might sneak this one out. This is going to be such a close one, man. Because I think Utah's the better team, but yeah, they're dealing with injury at quarterback. And Oregon State's at home. I think I'm going to go Oregon State as well. But man, I thought Utah, you know, at the start of the year had a, a sneaky chance, man, of making it far. But if they lose to Oregon State, man. Uh, I think their college football uh, playoff chances are kind of down the drain at that point. Yeah, I I, I really see a close one here too. You know, I I kind of kind of fuck with Oregon State a little bit here, just because, like you said, the quarterback is you know there are injuries out there for Utah at the quarterback position, and it's like. Oregon State is a sneaky good team. You know, I think the 19 spot is a little low for them, but, you know, still, it's it's kind of crazy to see that they're favorited there. But I, I think I'll go with Oregon State on that what, one, on the upset. What's what's interesting about this matchup, too, obviously both these teams are ranked. Um, and, and Utah obviously dealing with a lot of these injuries. Oregon State coming off a very close battle with uh, with Washington State last week. 
I, I think this is one of the, those games where it's just the Pac-12 is not going to get a team into the playoffs because it's just going to start cannibalizing itself like it has done in the past, you know, five, six years now uh, with the playoff. Um, just going to quickly scroll through a couple of these uh, games where, you know, there's super heavy favorites. Michigan on the road at Nebraska, favored by 17. I think we all agree. Mm-hmm. Michigan wins that one. Penn State on the road at Northwestern. Penn yeah, State Penn favored on that one. <laughs> tw- uh, yeah. 26 and a half point favorites. In, uh, I, I made a bet earlier this season. Uh, it was over under Northwestern wins. Uh, win total is one and a half. I, I, bet, I bet the over, so I got some good money out of that. And it, it was like, I think it was like plus 300 odds for, for, for the over on that. So pretty decent money there. <laughs> they had plus 300 to win two games. <laughs> Plus three hundred on the over for one and a half games. That that's that's wow. crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I I hit that. Uh, Straight disrespectful, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I was I was I was, I was like, this is. A, I was I was like I was like, this is a fucking no brainer bet right here. Northwestern is bad as they are. I think they could sneak out two games easily, and here we are. Um, Do they have Michigan State on their schedule? They could probably steal that one. Uh, they no, they don't. No, they don't. Uh, US, USC 21.5 point favorites over Colorado. Uh, Colorado obviously got humbled last week after being absolutely fucked by uh, by Oregon. I think that's going to happen again this week. Again, I don't believe in Coach Prime at all. I don't believe in that team. That said, USC's defense is garbage. And, you know, I've seen fourth graders tackle a lot better. Um I've seen fourth graders a lot less scared to tackle too, because a lot of these guys on that USC defense are afraid to tackle. It's just arm tackle after arm tackle there. But I think obviously Colorado's defense ain't shit, and Caleb Williams is just gonna fucking throw 500 plus yards. I think because yeah, yeah, USC's got this easily, man. Um, Colorado, I do think, is a solid team. I don't think that they're garbage by any means, but yeah, they got humbled big time last week by Oregon. So uh, I think USC is the better team. Uh, so I think that they're gonna they're gonna win this one. I don't know. I, I I'm looking at that USC defense, and I'm looking at how uh, you know Deion Sanders can make these kids play. Obviously, they didn't play against Oregon. Which is why I think they show up this week. I think they steal it in US away from USC this week. This is where USC goes down and the Pac twelve loses a playoff team. Look, the the only only way I see color or only advantage Colorado has in this game is that it's a home game. I think that's the only advantage that they have. Outside of that, Shador Sanders is not gonna be an NFL quarterback by any means. Um and and this team is just not good. Um, Florida on the road at Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky favored by one in this one. Uh, Florida obviously having uh, being ranked number twenty-two after having beat Tennessee uh, two weeks ago. Um, I, I think Florida could win this one. I don't think Florida is as good as people think. Uh, that said, I think Kentucky's very overrated as well. I know they're not ranked right now, but I think Kentucky's like a pretty overrated team. 
Yeah, uh, I think I'm going to go with Florida as well on this one. They are always, you know, even if they're ranked kind of low or not doing as well, they always seem to pull off some sort of upset, you know, and Kentucky only favored by one. I'm going to go with the team I trust a little bit more that's had more experience in, you know, bigger games uh, with Florida. Yeah, I'm looking at this Kentucky uh, schedule right now, and uh, yeah, their four wins aren't looking that very impressive. Uh, yeah, Ball State, no one. Ball's not a state. Eastern Kentucky, wow, nobody. And then Akron, so you beat two Mac schools so far, and a nobody <laughs> school. And then you beat Vanderbilt, but you still let Vanderbilt score 28 on you. So. I mean, I mean, Vanderbilt's pretty much a fucking Mac school. I mean, let's let's be honest here. They might, they might as well. <laughs> like, like, come on now. Uh, Georgia, Georgia's on the road at Auburn. Fourteen point favorites in this one. I think we all agree Georgia's, you know, as good as they are. I don't think Georgia covers though because they have yet to cover yet uh, this season. Man, Georgia's got to cover eventually. Man, I think I'm gonna go with them this week. Give me Georgia, man. <laughs> but are you gonna? Are you taking them to cover as well or no? Because I'm not. Because yeah. Auburn's a lot better of a team than, than I think people will give credit for. I mean, yeah, this is definitely their toughest game so far. Um, but, I mean, they got to start covering here eventually, right? I mean, um, we'll see, though. But I think Georgia's going to have no problem here. Ooh, what a nice catch. Yeah, I think, I don't know. It's a rivalry game, kind of. Because, I mean, it's Auburn, Georgia. It's not like Auburn, you know, Alabama. But it's still a hefty game. I, I, I still don't think Georgia covers because of that. Look, plain and simple, if you can't cover against Ball State and UAB, you're not going to cover against a much better very, school in, in Auburn. Very fair point. That is a very fair point. Uh, Texas is hosting Kansas, uh, number 24 versus number 3. Texas is 16 16- uh, sixteen and a half point favorite in this one. Uh, what have I been saying, guys? Texas is back. Uh, Texas is winning this one handedly. I don't know if they cover necessarily because Kansas is a lot better uh, than you know I expected them to be this year. Um, and yeah, I mean th- their offense is really really good. But that said, Texas's defense has been phenomenal. Yeah, Texas man. Definitely have them in this one. Yeah, you know, like you said, the Kansas has been kind of surprising. You know, they've been ranked the past couple of years, you know, earlier in the season, obviously. You know, having really great starts. I think they started 5-0 and last year, like 5-1, and something like that, and they're 4-0 and this year. I mean, they, last year they beat Texas. I think this year it's a different story in Texas, you know, obviously being the number three school in the nation. They're, they're, they're going to play with something to prove in this one i think they take this one pretty handily and i think they do cover just to rehash on something that we talked about on tuesday i think texas is the best team in the country right now because georgia and michigan haven't done anything to prove to be the number one school uh in the country right now when where texas has gone to tech uh, to tuscaloosa and beat bama on the road i mean and then also beating i know it's baylor but they also handed baylor uh their ass on the road as well so i mean texas has gone out and, and proven that they should actually be at number one, whereas Georgia and Michigan, not even top five for either one, I'd, I'd say. Uh, Mizzou, uh, funny seeing them finally be ranked for the first time in 
fucking forever. Uh, playing the Mac School Vanderbilt. Fucking <laughs> reverse. <laughs> right. Holy shit. Uh, Thirteen and a half point favorites uh, here over Vanderbilt. I think we all agree Missouri um, is going to win this yeah. one. Vanderbilt, like I said, is pretty much a Mac School. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Missouri on this one. <laughs> Vanderbilt the Mac yeah. School. <laughs> it's not it, it, I mean, they pretty much, they might as well be in the Mac or like uh, like like the Sun Belt or whatever the fuck. Um, <laughs> the 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 eight eight the, way too tough for them, buddy. Right. Um, number <laughs> number thirteen LSU on the road against number twenty Ole Miss. LSU's favored by two and a half in this one. Uh, someone's got to lose this game. Someone's got to go fall down to three and two. Um, and I'm gonna take Ole Miss in this one actually. Um. That said, LSU is, I think, a more tested team than uh, than Ole Miss is. So I, I think I, it can go either way. But I, I, I'm very high on Ole Miss this year. I know they had a, a struggle against Bama last week, but I think they'll bounce back and, uh, and beat LSU. Man, uh, these two teams, man, I think they're both pretty solid. It's definitely going to be a close game. I'm going to roll with the Tigers, though, man. Give me LSU, man. I mean, they're just – they. They somehow find out ways to win, man. I know they've they haven't had the greatest of years so far, but um, I'm gonna go LSU. Yeah, I uh, I also like LSU in this one. You know, yeah, they got embarrassed week one by Florida State, but you know, Florida State's one of the top five teams in the country right now. So that, although it wasn't really expected, at least on my part, you know, it's understandable. But, you know, Ole Miss is Ole Miss, and they find ways to lose SEC games that they probably should win. So, LSU, baby. Yeah, that, that is a good point. They do find ways to lose games that they definitely should win. Uh, I'm going to roll through these next few games because they're ridiculous favorites. Oregon over Stanford by 27.5. It's, yeah, it's a road game for Oregon. It, it, it's just a no-brainer, uh, Oregon. Uh, Oklahoma hosting Iowa State as 20-point favorites. Again, I think we all agree. Oklahoma, uh, Washington on the road against Arizona as 19 point favorites. I think that's 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 just unfair to Washington. They should be they should be 20 uh, 25 point favorites in this 25. one. I, I know Arizona's you know not that bad this year. They're three and one right now, but Washington's offense is just incredible. Um, so number 11, Notre Dame on the road at Duke. Uh, Notre Dame's favored by f- uh, five and a half in this one, coming off a very diff- uh, not not difficult loss, but a, a very emotionally difficult loss for Notre Dame uh, against OSU. Um, look, I, I Duke has been really impressive this year, uh, obviously beating Clemson, um, but outside of that, their their other three games haven't really been against anyone good. Um, but I am actually going to take Duke in this one. I think, you know, as much as Notre Dame wants to bounce back, Duke has just been rolling. Man, this is going to be tough, man. Um, I'm going to go with Notre Dame, though. Um, you know, Duke has had some solid uh, games this year. You know, they beat uh, um, Clemson here earlier in the year, but uh I just I think Notre Dame is going to have to bounce back after that Ohio State um, loss. Yeah, I I don't know. 
looking at Duke, I mean, obviously, yeah, beating Clemson by 21 week one, shock. Next game, they beat Lafayette 42 to 7. The next game, beat Northwestern 38 to 14. The next game, 41 to 7. So they've been putting up the points. They've been running up the scoreboard. And obviously, they've only given up 14 points max to Northwestern. So the fact that they held Clemson to seven points, less points than Northwestern, you know, kind of shows you something. I also will take Duke in this one. Yeah. uh, Tennessee's 12-point favorites at home against South Carolina. I think we all agree here. Yeah. This is this is Tennessee's game really to lose. South Carolina, not that good. Um, Bama on the road against Mississippi State, 14.5-point favorites. I think we can all agree Bama is going to win this one. Mississippi State is fucking horrible, man. Um, and then lastly, I forgot this team was ranked. Fresno State somehow is ranked. Uh, they're, they're number 25. They're playing host to Nevada, who's 0-4, and Fresno State's a 24-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. I think we all can kind of agree on this one as well. Fresno mm-hmm. State wins easily. I mean, yeah, looking at who Nevada's lost to this season, they lost week one to UNLV. <laughs> and then they got torn by USC. And then they lost to Idaho. And it, they didn't just lose to Idaho. They lost by 27. Idaho or Utaho? No, shut the fuck up. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, 33-6 to six to Idaho. Come on now. <laughs> and that's, that's I don't even know if Idaho's even an FCS school because I, I, I didn't know Idaho was. I thought the only school in, in Idaho was Boise State. So, I mean, yeah. They might be a D2 school. They, they might be. I don't know, man. Uh, and then, so that kind of wraps up. That I'm, we'll, we'll preview uh, Michigan State for for you know local local people here. Uh, Iowa at home against Michigan State, twelve and a half point favorites. We were talking about this before we before we started recording. Man, this is I don't even know if Iowa could put up twelve and a half points anymore. Uh, and, and you know their their offensive coordinator now needs to average. I, I believe after that embarrassing loss this past weekend to like I think they need to. Average now 29 points per game the rest of the year. Not looking good. He's going to lose his job for sure. Yeah, that's a that's, that's real disrespectful to Sparty there, having Iowa as double-digit <laughs> favorites. Like, I know Michigan State's not good by any respect, but Iowa, they're lucky to even score double digits, let alone be favorited double digits, you know? Right, and, and that's what I'm saying. Um, real quickly, uh, speaking on, on MSU, uh, obviously, uh, I think we, I think it was Tuesday, uh, no, it was yesterday, um, MSU terminated, uh, Mel Tucker's contract, uh, Alan Haller dropping a fucking bomb on Mel Tucker, uh, like, one of, one of my favorite lines from that, hold on, um, there, there was a, there was a line that that was in this letter written to Mel Tucker. Uh, here, here we go. Uh, as a university previously stated, it is decidedly unprofessional and unethical to flirt, make sexual comments, and masturbate while on the phone with a university vendor. Just 
they they put Mel Tucker in a body bag, um, and now Mel Tucker is uh, is uh, is about to file is is trying to file a lawsuit against the university for wrongful termination, but um, it wasn't wrongful. It you broke you your morality. In your meat. Yeah, on the phone. Yeah, you you're, like, you're done. You you broke you you, you breached your contract. Four K, no less. Like you're done. Right. Like, you, EDP, you're yeah. done. You you breached done, your con. You breached your contract. You have no case. Yeah. Like go ahead and log off for me. Like like bro, you're not gonna do anything. Um. So yeah. Um. And then. The uh, the college football playoff committee has said that uh, they're holding off on the twelve team playoff right now until the Pac twelve or I guess Pac two situation kind of uh, you know sorts itself out. So what do you guys take away from from that? From basically having a delay in you know us having a twelve team playoff. Yeah, so um, I have been for the twelve team playoff. I just feel like you know. It'd be a lot more exciting to see, um, you know, more teams involved, of course. Uh, I feel like when they expanded it out to four, you know, people definitely got more hyped up with more games here. I think that it gives more teams a chance, you know, because basically if you lose one game, you're you're out um, of the college football playoffs. So I, I've always been a fan of expanding it to 12 like you said, though, with this Pac-12 change, uh, and then I think it's like USC, UCLA, uh, all moving to the Big Ten. How is this going to affect you know the playoffs moving forward and conferences being all shaken up? Hopefully, they can figure it out, man. Implemented sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not a big fan of them putting it on the back burner until the Pac-12 is resolved, you know? I, I I think if they could have figured something out to get it done in the Pac-12's last year, just so maybe the Pac-12 could have had a chance in their last year to have, you know, competitors in the college football playoffs. But, uh, you know, I, I also understand it at the same time because, you know, money and college football's dying you got to find a way to keep the fire going you know like plankton said don't let the flame die out but you know (laughs) college football's already dead they're you know they're taking a molotov and throwing it on a a pile of ashes at this point and trying to stoke the fire yeah i i look i don't know what washington state or oregon state are gonna do i mean you, you if you demote yourself down into a uh into a conference like the, like the Mountain West, who has extended invites to both those schools, um, you're not going to make the playoff as as those teams because you're not going to be playing anyone in your conference schedules. Um, so so I think they they want to figure out a, a something to where at least those two schools would still have a chance to you know make that 12 team playoff, and I think that's like the biggest. Or biggest thing that the the committee wants to to figure out is where are these two teams actually going to go, um, and then also finding ways to so they at least have a chance to make the playoff eventually. Um, it's it's going to be obviously a a lot of time still to figure out where these two schools are going, but 
you know, obviously if they stayed in the two-team conference, having at least one of them make the playoff seems still stupid um, because it's, you know, a 12-team playoff. But, you're like, conference winners are obviously going to make it. But that said, I, I think what would be interesting and, and maybe make the playoffs a little bit even more fun would be uh, every single conference winner automatically gets a bid no matter how no matter if they're ranked or not um for example like having having the mac winner go on into the playoff and having the sunbelt winner go on into the playoff i think that would make the playoffs very very interesting it obviously never happened but what do you guys think on that um i think that's interesting uh for sure you know giving incentive to winning the conference and um you know getting like all the different conferences together like that but I feel like it could be kind of a situation like in the MLB this year where the AL Central is just so fucking bad. It's like none of those teams deserve to make the playoffs. And AL East, all five teams are great. And, you know, there's going to be teams that are missing out. So I feel like people would complain about that for sure. Um, But I would like seeing that representation, though, throughout the the playoffs there. Yeah, you know, I like it. But... Here I am thinking, it's like, oh, I just lost my train of thought because of the game. Holy shit. But, uh, no, honestly, I just, I think anything they do for college football at this point, it's just going to keep driving the stake even further and further into the ground, you know. If they're going to do anything, you know, obviously the 12-team playoff is a start. And obviously, you know, I think I think it was just something to keep, you know, you have the top four teams, yeah, but most of those top four teams, how many times do we have, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, you know, or any iteration of those teams, you know, Clemson, Florida State, almost every year. You know, it's like any other sport. You get tired of seeing all of these teams, you know, constantly and constantly going there. It's like people got tired of the Warriors always winning the NBA. People got tired of, you know, the Patriots always winning the NFL. It's like you want to see some disparities. You know, and I mean, obviously 12 teams gives you the opportunity like that. And it, it kind of gives you, you know, keeps you in that same, you know, area of, you know, college sports are more, you know, they're bigger in the playoffs than they are for professionals. Because, I mean, obviously for college basketball, you have the, the whole big 64-team tournament. In the NBA, you don't have 64 teams going at it. You know, that'd be ridiculous. So I, I think it's nice to kind of give these these top twelve teams instead of you know the top four, because then you know you're not sitting there and you have obviously this SEC Big Ten bias everywhere across the board, which is why you have these teams like Texas and Oklahoma going there to the SEC to help get that bias. But now it's like you know they're expanding to twelve teams. They probably could have stayed in the Big Twelve, you know. Right, and and that's the other thing too is is especially cuz both these teams are kind of resurging over the past, you know, year or two. You know, this is they could have both dominated the the Big 12 for the next whatever years, but they left mostly because at the time the Big 12 didn't have a TV deal where the SEC did and they wanted in on that. It's why UCLA and USC said fuck the Pac-12 cuz we can't get anything done. Uh in terms of a TV deal, and went and joined the Big Ten, and and now here we are, uh, 
you know, now we have Oregon and Washington also joining because they want in on that TV deal. And look, college football, like I said, is dying. It is the regionality is out the window. We we basically have three super conferences now between uh, between the SEC, the Big Twelve, and and the Big Ten. Um, the ACC is obviously holding out. They still have a TV deal at least, but they're not getting anyone really to join. I mean, obviously, uh, for some reason they got uh, Stanford and Cal and SMU to join because because nothing nothing says Atlantic Coast Conference like uh, like Oakland, uh, Dallas. And uh, and San Francisco, you know, yeah, no, nothing says nothing says Atlantic Coast like like those three cities. But you know, whatever. I like I said, the regionality is now out of the window because you have all these West Coast teams playing in the Big Ten and the ACC, apparently. Um, but yeah, look, the, the twelve team playoff will still be interesting, I think, but. Yeah, I, I understand why the committee's kind of holding off on talks about it because of the situation right now, especially because of Washington State and Oregon State both just not having a, uh, a conference right now. Uh, so that kind of wraps up that topic. Uh, Mike, you said we have a huge trade that happened uh, in the NBA, so I'm going to let you take it away. Yeah, man, so huge trade here. This was the talk of the offseason for the first couple months. It died down heavily, and then just kind of out of the blue, um, yesterday actually it happened. Uh, Damian Lillard finally getting traded here. He got traded to the Milwaukee Bucks here. So very interesting to see now him and Giannis are going to be on the same team. Man, that is a deadly combination here. Um, you know, he had been wanting to go to the Heat here. And there's reports now that, um, you know, after they kind of said that they couldn't really find a deal with the Heat, that uh, he would come back to the Trailblazers. And they basically told him that, like, you know, bridges have been burned, I guess, to where, you know, there was no way that he was going to be coming back, that they were going to trade him. And they trade him to the Milwaukee Bucks here. So, yeah, this is a, a big trade here in the NBA lower is still probably top 10 maybe top 15 player in the league he is getting up there in age but he is a lethal threat man he is basically like Steph Curry man he can shoot it from all over but yeah uh, I'm just going to be going over the the trade here uh, it was a three-team trade actually between the Bucks the Trailblazers and the Suns here and going through uh, each of the players that each team got and then I'll ask you guys as well if you guys have any thoughts on it uh and how you would grade each team uh for how they did on the trade so of course the bucks receiving damian lower the superstar of the the deal here the trailblazers received deandre ayton from the suns which you know is uh very interesting to see here because ayton just signed that big contract with the suns and the suns were sort of building that super team but ayton finally gets moved here Drew Holiday from the Bucks was the big player that the Bucks gave up for Lillard here. Um, a 2029 uh, unprotected first round pick, and then uh, two pick swaps in 2028 and 2030, and then um, some random player, uh, Tomani Kamara, uh, a bag of chips basically. 
um, going to the Trailblazers, and then the Suns um, in the deal received Grayson Allen from the Bucks, Keon Johnson from the Blazers, Nasir Little from the Blazers, and Yusuf Nurkic from the Blazers. So, yeah, um, from going over this, man, I think that Milwaukee, this is an A to an A-plus deal for them. They were already in win-now mode, and now they just added another uh, superstar to the team. Lower and Giannis are going to have a field day. They were able to keep Chris Middleton on the team. Um, Bobby Portis is great off the bench. Brooke Lopez is a solid center. They got just a monstrous starting five here. Uh, the Suns here, I think, also did really well. They got off the DeAndre in contract. They added Yusuf Nurkic, who uh, is going to bolster their uh, rebounding and even give a little bit more defense, I feel like, uh, on a cheaper deal. And added players like Nasir Little and Keon Johnson, who they were lacking so much in their bench because they had gotten Bradley Beal from the Wizards. Uh, and, of course, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker as well. So that helps Phoenix a lot. I would give them an A as well. The Trailblazers, man, I'm going to give them like a C on this. I feel like they could have gotten more for Lord. You know, they basically got three first round picks. Uh, Drew Holiday, who's a really solid player. Uh, Aiden and then Kamara, who was kind of just a throw in. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think the Bucks definitely won this trade. Suns definitely came out as winners as well, getting themselves involved in this. Trailblazers, you know, it could have been worse, but also could have been a lot better for them. So that's kind of my thoughts on the trade here. Uh, I want to pass it to either one of you guys if you guys have any thoughts on uh, the trade here. Ian, I'll, I'll let you go first here just because I'm, I'm not going to pretend. I don't know fucking shit about basketball, but I do have some some things to discuss here about that in a second, but I'll let you go first. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I was kind of shocked to see Dame Lillard go, you know, to Milwaukee of all places. But, uh, yeah, from what I've been reading, though, one of the other pieces in that trade, uh, Drew Holiday, apparently might still be up for trade. Yeah, I did see that as well. Um, that he That's interesting to me still. So it's like, for now, Portland has them, but it's like, obviously, if he's on the move, where does he go? You know, does he go to, obviously, a competitor probably, so maybe the Clippers... Maybe the yeah. Pelicans, the Sixers, the Heat, even. But yeah, you know. honestly, yeah, uh, I did see that too. There was post, uh, and it was actually really crazy with Drew Holiday as well. I forgot to mention this. Uh, I believe it was like a day or two before this trade went down. He was asked about you know his thoughts about Milwaukee and staying in Milwaukee, and he said, "And I quote, I am a buck for life." And you know that did not really age too well as wow, he was traded. That- moments later so it just goes to show man there's no loyalty in uh professional sports man um but yeah i just thought that was crazy seeing that that he um he really wanted to stay in milwaukee and they just kind of trade him away kind of felt similar to what demar Derozan went through in toronto um you know being loyal to them and then making the trade for Kawhi leonard back a few years back Yeah, I mean, he might end up like Kawhi a few years back, but I guess only time will tell. It's definitely interesting to see, though, that he's getting sent in a big trade like this and is still on the market. I just don't think I've ever seen something like that. Or if I have, you know, I can't remember it. So, 
Yeah, like another like because I, I there's probably been times where role players have gotten moved multiple times, but yeah, like Drew Holiday is a solid player. He's probably top 25, 30 player. He's definitely one of the better defenders in the league. So um, he's definitely got a lot of value. There's definitely going to be teams that want him. So we could see him moved again. So it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, what, what what's interesting to me is is kind of just, you know, not from someone that doesn't really do basketball. Uh, what, what I see a lot, though, in, in these trades is a lot of three-team trades happen in the NBA all the time. Uh, where, whereas, like, you, you compare it to, to, to hockey, and you almost never see a three-team trade. Um, even, like, the NFL and, and the MLB to, to a point, you don't really see a lot of three-team trades, uh, except for really just in basketball. Um, is, is that something that you think is just more unique to the NBA, is that a lot of these deals are three-team trades? Yeah, so I just think that, the NBA does it because you know it's it's really hard for teams to just come to a compromise between players, so they they have to put in a third team so they can kind of get some more role players and other names moved around and kind of work out the cap uh, in that way. So I think it's just I think it's just easier to navigate with a third team. Um, you know, I feel like uh, even that secondary team, like in this trade, Lord was of course the hottest commodity in this trade, but even Phoenix, who you know wasn't the focal point of the trade, they still came out um, getting some solid pieces on their team. So I think that you know teams are more incentivized to be in these three team deals because even if you're not getting the main player, you can still get uh, solid pieces for your team, uh, being like that secondary trade partner. That's it's very interesting. And then lastly, you said. The two of the picks that were that were swapped was a, a 2028 and a 2030. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah. So. So. Yeah. I, I guess. I guess. My, my my thing on that is like, in in the NHL, teams only look three years into the future. Like you can't make a make a trade really for anything beyond three years in the future. So for example, like this year, you're not going to see any picks for beyond 2026 you're only going to see for 2024 25 and 26 uh in any of these any of these deals so i also think that's just kind of interesting that the nba you know you're, you're sending off picks for that far down the road and i wonder if there's really any reason for that yeah so i'm, I'm not too sure why the nba does it i mean i feel like the reason they do it that way is because you know, Milwaukee with getting lower is going to be good for at least the next three to four years. So they, they don't want those picks because they know those picks aren't going to be as high on the, in the draft. So they want something further out where they're kind of hoping Milwaukee starts being bad. Uh, the classic example I bring up is the Brooklyn Nets and Boston Celtics deal back in 20, I think 2013 um, when they traded Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce away to the Nets. Uh, the Celtics got back picks that were like in 2017, 2016. Um, so yeah, like four years down the line. And those ended up being Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, two of their best players that they built their championship team around. So yeah, the NBA, they do that, man. They, there's so many picks that go, uh, like five, six or even seven years into the future, man. That's just, that's just wild to me that, that, they trade out picks this that far out because like like when when you look at it with like the NHL for example is like 
you know, you you trade, you know, let's say a a, a first round pick two years down the line, you're still more than likely going to be a playoff team. So those picks don't really matter to you because uh, they'll be lower down in the draft. But if, if you're if you're trading out something, you know, eight nine years down the line, by then you might be out of the playoffs, uh, especially in the NHL with how competitive it is. Uh, and and you might want those picks back at, at that point. So so it's it's just kind of interesting to me to see how the different dynamics between the two sports are, and you know when they send out you know picks or, or you know what year they they have those picks out for. Which again to me it's, it's just interesting you know just to observe that uh, that dynamic. Yeah, and I'm not too sure and if hockey if they do this, but NBA. Um, a lot of the times they'll do like um, protected picks, like you know, there's like lottery protected picks to where if the picks in the lottery, then you know that team doesn't get that pick or like top three protected. Does the NHL kind of do something like that, like where it's protected, or is it all unprotected? Yeah, yeah, no, they 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 do have protected picks, like uh, when like like for example, uh, this year uh, we we traded Tyler Bertuzzi to uh. uh to Boston. Boston, but yeah, the Red, Red Wings traded Bertuzzi to Boston, and a very ballsy move by Eiserman, I must say, uh, to sell when they were still in the playoff hunt uh, at the deadline. Um, but but that is that is top ten protected uh, coming into the twenty twenty four draft. So if Boston somehow falls out of the playoffs and so far down that they have a top ten pick, um, it's going to be. You know, it's gonna it will be Boston's pick, but there is some compensation to that. Obviously, I believe it turns into like a third round pick or a second round pick uh, for Detroit. Um, so yeah, you you see a lot of protected picks. Uh, you don't usually see lottery protected picks. Just uh, more so, just if wherever that lands, you know, if it lands in the top ten, then you know that's protected or whatever. Um, so so yeah, they they definitely have a lot of those protected picks. Um, but you know the 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 best that pick could for Detroit be would be you know pick number eleven in the first round. Which God, I really hope that happens. But I don't see that happening with Boston uh, this year. Is as good as they were this past season, they're going to fall off. But yeah, um, so that kind of wraps up that section there. Um, we're going to get into our last segment now, and it's going to be all about Miguel Cabrera. He's coming into his last series at home uh, of his MLB career. Um, he, uh, I think he's tied, or he's in the top 25 for, for home runs now. Um, and where where is he, Ian? Do you know exactly uh, for, for home runs and hits all time? Uh... I believe he is 25th, because I know he just tied Mel Ott mm-hmm. for home runs. And, you know, uh, he was close. I don't know if he has passed. Uh, I think it was Cal Ripken on the hits list. He was a few off of him. So, but right now, let's, let's go to Google. Let's see. Let's see where he's at, comparatively. Uh, I think... Um, I think he is. I think he has twenty-five all to himself. 
Uh, let me... Okay, so he's 16th in hits right now, and he's got that all Right, himself, right. He's got 14 more to pass Ripken Jr., and he's not going to get that, but... No. Within 14 hits of Cal Ripken Jr., as a known power hitter is yeah, absolutely Cal, ridiculous, you know? Cal he's played, a, like, every game, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but anyways, I, I just kind of... Obviously, Miguel Cabrera, won, he's... he's First ballot, probably Hall of Famer. I think we can. Oh, I think. I think. I mean, he he's such a he's such a nice dude. He is such a he's such like everyone you like every player in the league just they 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 like me. You can't hate the guy, no matter like even like in his prime years where he was just killing everything, the Triple Crown, you know. He was, he's yeah, just such a genuine dude. Yeah, well, yes. Triple crown worthy seasons, and he was a yes. up Chris Davis away from being the fucking first player to yes. win two. Well, yes, yes, but yeah. like, like, a, like, a, but even even then, you 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 could never hate the guy. You, like, no. you, you look like all these players, like they just they just couldn't hate the guy. He was such a genuine, like, genuinely nice person. Uh, but I want to know what is like your favorite. Miggy uh, moment of his career. Oh man, it's there's gotta so be... many to choose from. <laughs> there's too many to choose from, honestly. But I, I think it's got to be the triple crown securing, because that's just we're never, we're probably never going to see someone do that again. And the fact that that man ended up being a player who now has three thousand career hits, five hundred career home runs. You know, is being put into the conversation of the likes of Hank Aaron and the, all of them. That's a hell of a respectable guy right there. But yeah, I, I still think him winning the Triple Crown is my favorite moment because it's history. Yeah, man. And something that I want to bring up that you kind of mentioned with him being in the likes of like Hank Aaron and that. he He's one of seven players, including Hank Aaron, Albert Pujols, Willie Mays, Eddie Murray, Alex Rodriguez, and Rafael Palmero to have 3,000 hits and 500 home runs. So that was just amazing. And like you said, man, the Triple Crown, that was just such a good moment, man. That hadn't been done since 1967 when Kari Ostremski did it. It was something that, you know, we thought might never be done, you know, again. You know, that's so tough to do, man, to lead – and average home runs and RBIs all in the same season, man. Crazy. Um, but yeah, so I would say that is one of my top Miggy moments. And then another one I want to bring up that is just very iconic is the Miguel Cabrera, Mariano Rivera uh, in the playoffs. I don't know if you guys remember that that faceoff between. Oh the two of them. yeah. Oh, Miggy took him deep to take it in that. Miggy took him deep to deep. That, to that's that's the battle of legends right there. That's a Hall of yeah. Fame. That, that is literally a man who was elected to the Hall of Fame as soon as he was eligible. And Mariano Rivera, one of the greatest closers of all time. Even I'm as a Tigers sure. fan, like I can admit that as a fucking Yankees player, great closer. I'm pretty sure too. Mariano was the first player ever to be 100% unanimous elected to the Hall of Fame as well. You know, he's undoubtedly the greatest closer ever, and Miggy just getting the better of him, just so crazy to see. Just man. nonchalantly like, too, the way he just throws the bat out for that hit, and it's just like, yeah, that's the deep center field. Yeah, it's in. I think I believe it's in Yankee Stadium, but still, the man has ridiculous easy power. Mm-hmm. 
He does. Yeah, but so so my favorite Mickey moment is I was actually at the game where he hit 300 home runs. Uh, back in was that where he hit it to dead center. Yeah, he hit it. He hit it well. damn damn near dead center field. Um, I, I was there. I was sitting in. Uh, I was sitting like, I want to say like twenty twenty five rows up from the uh, the away team dugout. Um, it was against Chicago. It was like late July, but I was at that game where he hit three hundred, and I mean the the crowd was nuts. Um, to to have seen you know that milestone for him. I know it's you know two hundred something home runs. Uh, later now that that you know he he's at, but I mean that was incredible just to watch. Uh, to see. I mean, you had Chicago players. Uh, giving him you know a standing ovation as well because I mean 300 is you know very hard to do uh, over a career and, and well <laughs> yes but well it also it also helps when you when you play in the the shortest outfield uh, but you know you, you know that that's just that's we're not going to get into that <laughs> today today we won't get today. into that um, but but now to that Actually, I kind of want to add, how many home runs do you think Miggy would have hit if he did play for the Yankees? Oh, he would average Man, 45 a year. He'd average yeah. 45 a year minimum. Because you, you got to think, how many just warning track shots at Comerica Park has he put out, you know? You got to think... Uh, at, if he played it for the Yankees, man, he, he'd easily be... I'd say close to 700 because of just how many might be in the conversation. How many warning track shots he's had uh, in in Detroit? You got to you got to at least think with that. You know, with how many shots he's had there to the warning track in, in New York, those are those are home runs all day. Same with Boston. Uh, it, it's it's incredible to just think about just what he could have done on a different team. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously I'm glad he was in Detroit because. You know, I'm I'm a Detroit fan, but it's just something interesting to ponder on. Is is what could he have hit if he played for a team in a much shorter outfield? I mean, even if he would have stayed in Miami, Miami coming yeah. over with a uh, when him and Pudge came over, and like even that was a thing because as a you know an outfielder, I never really looked to out outside of the outfield for like players I would want to mimic, but Pudge and Cabrera, both of them. A catcher and a first baseman are just like, yeah, those are two players I would always want to watch. Cause it's like fluid hitting. They're always on top of their game. I mean, obviously, Pudge Rodriguez, Hall of Fame catcher, arguably mm-hmm. one of the best to throw anyone out running. But, you know, Miguel Cabrera, here we are. A lot of people didn't expect anything from that trade from uh, Miami, and I guarantee you, if they're dead, they're rolling over in their graves, and if they're not, they're eating those words. <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> like you're 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 witnessing living history right now. Yeah, it's, it's... comparatively to the rest of the league. Out of active players, Cabrera was over a thousand hits. On the next closest person, we probably won't see a three thousand hitter again. Freddie Freeman might be able to do it. Jose Altuve, maybe if he keeps producing. But I, I really don't know if we'll see another three thousand hit five hundred home run hitter for a while. Yeah, I I, yeah, I don't man. know either, man. It's it, it's hard. Junior just goes on a 
fucking yeah. music for the next 10, 15 years. And granted, I, a 40, 70 season from him, we got to talk about him at some point. I but, know, man. You know, that's, yeah. it's just insane what they're doing now. Yeah, man, I'm pretty sure that Joey Votto is, like, the next closest, and he's still, like, a ways off from 3,000. It's going to be a while till another active player hits 3,000. I mean, it's only been done, I think, like, 27 times, and also with the the 500 home runs, only been done seven times in history of baseball. It's, it's going to be a while, man. He's got the county numbers. He's got the stats, man. Mickey just – he's done it all, man. So yeah. even when you, uh, and he won the, a World Series with Miami, so I mean, I yeah. wish he could have won one in Detroit, but he did win a I World mean, he Series. He went it with Detroit, though. Yeah, he did. He did go with Detroit in 2012. Or did, yeah. did he not go in 06 when Maglio walked him off? Was he not? I don't think he was in Detroit then. I think I don't know if he was in Detroit by then. I believe he was. I believe he was in Detroit at that point. Uh, in 2006? Okay. Yeah, I, th- I thought the trade happened, like, in 2006. I thought they traded, hold on, like, 04-05. Like, after it was the 04 season, I thought both him and Pudge left after the World Series. Uh, so... Hold or it on. might have been Pudge came first, and then Cabrera came after. I don't think they both came over at the same time. I'm not 100% yeah. certain on that, though. Um... I think Pudge was a free agent acquired, and then Cabrera was a trader. One of them was one. Not a hundred. So let's see here. So it's oh, like- it, was, it was in two thousand seven. So no, it, it was. So you know, yeah. that wasn't when Maglio uh, walked I mean, him still. off. But still, yeah. You went with Detroit, and I mean, outside of you know an iffy Giants team at best. I mean, granted. Two of the best starting rotations in baseball went head to head that year, mm-hmm. and obviously San Francisco got the better of the Tigers lineup. But like, even just to sit there and think, like looking back on all those players: Madison Bumgarner, Max Scherzer, Pablo. Justin Verlander, Tim Lincecum, Pablo Sandoval. Uh, all of those players are leaving or gone now. Miggy, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer. Last of their kind. Yeah, it, I mean, the sport has changed so much since these guys really entered into the league. Um, yeah, I, like I, like you said, I don't, I don't think we'll ever see a three thousand hit, five hundred home run guy ever in the MLB unless we bring steroids back. Um, right. <laughs> and then you can add three hundred doubles on top of that. Right. Yeah. You do that. There's only three names. Right. And it's Hank Aaron, Albert Pujols, and Miguel Cabrera. Yeah, exactly. You're on a list with one other person and Hank Aaron. <laughs> that's saying something. That other person is Albert Yeah, Tables? yeah. That's it's it's insane. It's insane what he's done in his career and you and know do it in Comerica. Right. For the most yeah, part, you won. America. You put up two triple crown worthy seasons in Comerica Park. Yeah, not not a not a uh, batter friendly park at all. And it's a power hitter, no at, less. Right. It's... You led the league in average as a power hitter. You are a career 306 hitter. Yeah, exactly. A power hitter. In Comerica Park for most of in your career. Park. Like... This is why I will go down saying that Miguel Cabrera is the best right-handed hitter I have ever laid eyes on myself. Is, is he the actual GOAT, though? That's, that's the real question. Statistically speaking, no. Because obviously 
the stats for other players out there. Like we all know Ty Cobb, Babe Ruth, all of those guys. Ridiculous stats that they've put up. But like to even be in the same conversation as some of those guys, I think yeah. that's good enough, you know? Because obviously, yeah, they played in a different era, you know, Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb and all of those older guys did. Where, you know, yeah, sure, the joke is, oh, any bum could just walk off the street and get a pro tryout and, you know, pitch the next day. But at the same time, Babe Ruth was also chowing down hot dogs and smoking during the game. <laughs> and they're not doing that anymore. Right. If they did that now, they wouldn't be performing nearly as good as no, they were no. now. But, so it's like, you have to give these past players respect. But even so, to have someone compete and put themselves in that area, you know, close enough for him to, you know, take a, a rock and throw it and he could hit one of those, you know, vintage players. So it's it's ridiculous. Is is he the greatest tiger of all time though? Now that that's a different question. You got people like Al Kaline and Ty yeah, Cobb up Ty there. Cobb. Like Ty Cobb is up there and I think Ty Cobb will stay up there. Cabrera's like I said, he is the best right handed hitter I have laid eyes on physically in a game myself. Simply because I have seen him win a triple crown. You know, I've been to, I went to probably the most games I've ever been to in a season was when he won the triple crown. And it's like, you you have to, you got to watch that. But I still can't sit there and say he's the best tiger in history because Al Kaline, Ty Cobb, those two right there. Just yeah, you, ridiculous. And uh, you, can't, you can't forget about any of the guys on that, uh, what, 84 team either. Nope. Like Mark yeah, Trammell. Yep. Trammell. Trammell. Yeah. I mean, but I would I I would probably take Cabrera over Alan Trammell overall. Yeah, I would too. Oh, I I think anyone would. But, you know, you got to give credit to those guys you too, but right. But but regardless, man, look, Miggy, I hope I hope like he loves the city of Detroit. I really really hope he becomes like the batting coach for the Tigers. That would be like perfect because yeah, Spencer Torkelson hit 45 next year. If, cause <laughs> if yeah, right. And he hit 30 today. So, I mean, I mean, exactly. there, there you go. But I mean, look, I, I think, you know, if, if Miggy does actually become the hitting coach for the Tigers, I think the Tigers batting, cause let's face it, the Tigers batting right now is fucking abysmal outside of Riley green and, and, uh, Spencer Torkelson, Hey, don't you dare shit on my boy Kerry Carpenter. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, him too. But outside of those three, outside of those three, you know, there's nothing there. Um, but I, I was reading like an article earlier today, but like just like guys on the team, just you know, stories that they had about Miggy. Like a uh, like a uh, earlier this year, Miggy, you know, struck out. And he went up to Zach Short and was and was like and was like Shorty, where's uh, uh what am I looking at? Like what am I doing wrong? And then and then uh, Zach Short just goes, Bro, you're asking the wrong fucking person. <laughs> like you know, just, just it's just stories like that, man. It's just like you know, you know, Miggy is like a professional at heart, and you know he's gonna be very missed by every single Tigers fan. I like I think by every single baseball fan too. I mean. You saw it every single road trip, you know, you know, standing ovation uh, for him at his at bats. It's just, it's something 
you're not going to find players like him, man, to, to do what he did and still be as humble and wholesome as he was his entire career. Um, you know, it's you're never going to find a guy like that. They don't make him like that anymore, really. They don't. Yeah, I mean, all the videos of just him interacting with fans. You know, there's one of my favorite ones is when he was uh, had his glove on and he's just feeling the dude's beard. With the glove. <laughs> yeah. Like, how can you not love this guy? Or when he was trying to field the foul ball in, uh, I believe it was Cleveland. And then instead of making the play for the foul ball, he just hugs the, the fan in the front <laughs> row. It's like, or, you know, after the game, when they played the Astros, he just walks up to Jose Altuve and just picks him up. It's like, yeah. the guy's got a, a lot of character. And it's it would suck to see him not in the the Tigers dugout as like a hitting coach or some form of coach or, you know, informant to the game. You know, I I think it'd be disrespectful to him for, you know, Scott Harris and, you know, the front office to not even offer him a position, you know? Yes. I I just, I I really hope he does stick around. I mean, he he said, you know, he, he wants to stick around. At least he said that in the past. I don't know how he if if he said anything about it this year or not. But he would like to at least stick around after his career ended. He said that I think he said something about it last year. You know, saying he wants to stick around the Detroit area. So I think you know, let him be that hitting coach because again, the Tigers fucking need a a, a hitting coach that actually knows what they're doing. Because shit, man, but. Yeah, like I said, man, I think we're all going to miss him. His last game is on Sunday this weekend. I will definitely be watching that um, just, just to, you know, see him in his last game. Um, so, yeah. Um, um, by the way, just a score update real quick. Um, uh, the Lions are kicking the shit out of Green Bay 27-3 at halftime. Yeah, two and a half favorites my ass. Yeah. <laughs> I I almost want to take I almost want to take back everything I said about uh, about Green Bay possibly being a playoff team. Bro, this is abysmal. Yeah, Jordan looks horrible. At one point, they had like negative one total yards for they the did. longest. They had time. like one yard at the end of the first quarter. They have twenty total yards. They have thirteen passing yards and seven rushing yards right now. Like it, it's not looking good. They've both thrown picks. Jared Goff and Jordan Love, but this Lions defense is playing crazy right now. You know, Desmond they are. had they terrible. Jordan Love is six for thirteen, so he's less than fifty percent, and he's thrown for fifty yards and a pick. AJ Dillon has four yards. Aaron Jones <laughs> has three yards. <laughs> Good job, so, Lions, man. Aaron Glenn, you were on the hot seat after the Seahawks game, but god damn. And no stupid coaching decisions by Dan Campbell, even better. But um look, we're we're over an hour forty minutes into this one already, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up here. Um rate, review, subscribe, help us out, spread this podcast. We really wanna get it out there, start, you know, picking up more and more fans. Because um, eventually, you know, if, if we get it to the point where we have a lot of listeners every single week, uh, we're gonna start doing some mailbag episodes where you guys, you know, email us some some questions and we'll give you our honest opinions or thoughts or whatever on those questions. Um, but yeah, uh, help us out and uh, yeah, Ian, Mike, you guys got anything else you want to say? No, not that I can think of. I think he wrapped it up yeah. pretty well. 
Yeah, man. Uh, I just will say, uh, you know, stay tuned for future episodes here. Definitely uh, rate, comment, share, subscribe, resubscribe, send it out to your friends, family, whoever you know, man. Just get the word out there. Make this podcast blow up, man. Yeah, even, you know, go, you know, break into your grandmother's phone and subscribe on, on there. You know, just just help us out, man. All that all that helps. Um We'll be back Tuesday re- reviewing this weekend. A uh, lot, lot of great matchups going on and a lot of toilet bowls too. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll review everything on Tuesday. Ian, again, thank you for, for uh, being on the episode again. Uh, we'll obviously have you on a couple more times as, uh, as we roll. Um, so, yeah, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And we will see you guys on Tuesday.